Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. The Foster the GCs segment is an interview series where I speak with staff, faculty, and facility workers from Soka University of America, or SUA, about the school's mission statement, which is to foster a steady stream of global citizens committed to living a contributive life. I'm interested in knowing what the unique actions, practices, and mindsets are needed to actualize our mission statement through multiple perspectives and opinions. Being that SUA is a unique institution that has a bold mission statement to be foremost in fostering global citizens, let's begin the conversation around what is happening in this community to foster greater consciousness on global citizenship. On today's episode, I'm very happy to welcome Linda Kennedy to share her views on global citizenship within the context of SUA. Let's get right into the conversation. Enjoy. Hi, Scott and everybody. I'm really happy to be here with you today. My name's Linda Kennedy. I am the Director of Philanthropy, sorry, the Executive Director of Philanthropy at Soka University. I've been in this position for about almost 20 years, 19 years, and I wouldn't change any of it for the world. But I'm very excited to um, be here and to get to hear what Scott's going to ask me and what answers I'm going to give. Thank you so much, Linda. I, I'm so happy that you're on the podcast today. And it's just such a joy to, to have this opportunity. I love talking with you and I count you as such a great friend at SUA. And um, yeah, and you've done such amazing work for the university. I'm very curious to hear more about the the reasons for like what brought you to SUA initially, and then also just how your experiences um, and just you as a person have really informed the way that um, the culture on campus has developed and, and especially your um, you know, thoughts about the mission statement. I think that's something that um, for this particular segment, I'm very curious to hear more about since you have um, been contributing to the SUA community for so many years. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's just something that I think needs to be talked about more and more because there's lots of nuggets of wisdom that you have to share. And I think it'll really inspire a lot of people to really think more about what does it mean to foster global citizens? And so I know that there's definitely going to be um, really interesting um, bits uh, for you to share. Um, I know it's not the most time uh, in a, like a you know short podcast episode to cover everything, but um, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing uh, chat with you. And I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. And so uh, I, you you've been working in philanthropy um, for for many years, um, and I'm I'm kind of curious. So like, what in a nutshell, what was like, what were some of the experiences that you had before coming to SUA? And then can you talk about that transition period from, you know, what your previous work was, you know, and then how, how, how your work changed or kind of evolved when you then got to, to campus? Well, um, when I went to school, I studied marketing. So I have a bachelor's degree in marketing, which is really, um, code word for sales, in my opinion. And so I was a sales rep. I sold copiers. I sold computers. Um, and then I had children, and I actually was fortunate to be able to stay home with them 
um, for some of their younger years. And during that period of time, I was very involved in their schools, very unhappy that the schools were having the kids raise money for the schools because it's the kids' job seriously to learn not to raise money. So I that's kind of how I backed into philanthropy. I walked into the principal's office and I said, please, I'll raise the money for you, but leave the kids alone. So that's really how it started. Um, and then I started a nonprofit theater company in Newport Beach when my kids were younger. Because all the kids, once they did the sixth grade play, they wanted to continue. So um, that's how I got involved in the true, I mean, in the down and dirty of the um, 501c3 nonprofit corporations, because we started the corporation, started the funding, did all of that. And it's actually because of the theater company that I found out about SOCA, because one of the young men that performed in the theater company was the son of the woman who had my job at the, who had my job at SOCA before I got it. And so SOCA was brand new. And we at the theater company got very friendly with the people at SOCA through this young man and his mother, um, because, you know, we had lights and we had sound equipment. So if there were events going on at excuse me, at SOCA, we would come down and bring the, the young people and help with the events the, and all that kind of stuff. And that's how I found out about SOCA. And then when um, my predecessor left, she called me and she said, I just told my boss that you want my job. And I said, I do want your job because I'd wash dishes to be a part of what's going on at SOCA. It was, I mean, when you drive across the threshold, it's a whole new world because you just feel this peace and tranquility. And then as time went on and I got to know the professors, the administration, meet the students and just really observe what was happening there, I thought that it was, and I, and I still do, think that it is just so unique to anything else that's happening in the world and something that our poor world really, really, really needs today. So um, I am thrilled to be a part of it until the day I die. Wow, a very powerful story. And I love that it really started with this genuine and very profound care and concern for your children uh, and really trying to step in to support them with this, these additional efforts to fund a lot of their programs and these different events with like within the school. And it's evident how that's really been a through line in your career up until now, because when I think of Linda Kennedy at SOCA and the work that you do and the interactions that we have, definitely there is this sense of care that that comes across, that you genuinely uh, are, are wanting to know what's going on with, with, with you, uh, with the, the students, with the staff, with everyone, and that you know, your work is really to make make and make it all possible, the kind of uh, operations and the, the education, everything that keeps the lights on here. And that's that's so that's so big. And to hear about th those origins and like very humble origins of just like, yeah, my I'm, I'm caring for my children and someone's got to do this because it's, it's the onus shouldn't fall on on young people on children to do this. I think that's just, uh, it's amazing to see how you've really built upon that uh, sincere um, foundation. And um, yeah, and then to kind of be at this place, Soka, you know, brand new in 2001. What what year specifically did you arrive? 2003. In 2003. So still like 
pioneering phase. We're still in the pioneering phase, honestly, even after 21 years. But I, I feel that, you know, your your efforts have been so instrumental. And I, I feel like you've also gotten to see so many of the phases of development and then the people that make this all possible. Um, so I, I'm, I know that the, this is a big ask of you, but is there a particular memory uh, of your time working here that really stands out that you really cherish? Um, I'm going to go back to the beginning okay. because um, shortly after um, Selka opened in 2001, there were there's a gentleman who was killed in the first plane that hit the towers in New York City. And actually, both of his children went to school at Soka, but his the, the students used to organize a 9-11 memorial every year because they had all had that shared experience on that horrible day. And then um, also of having someone so intimately involved. So this young man was giving a speech at the um, 9-11 um, memorial, and it was about his father. And he said words to the effect of, when I learned my father had died, I wasn't angry. But it's at that point in time that I knew I had to dedicate my life to peace. And that's why I'm here at SOCA. And I spoke with Danny about this afterwards, Danny Kabuki, our first president. And I said, you know, Danny, it wasn't my daddy who died in that plane. And I'm pretty pissed off about the whole thing. So I don't understand how you do what you do with the young people are, that are at this university. But to see some young person live through that tragedy and have it have such a profound positive effect on his life because he didn't decide he wanted to go get involved in a war. He didn't decide he wanted to take out the people that had caused this to happen. He decided that he had to do something to help not just himself, not just his family, not just society, not not just his local society, but the world. And so I will work tirelessly until I don't have another breath in my body to raise money to support what SOC is doing because the foundation that the students receive in their education at SOCA, the wisdom that then they can take out there into the world to be compassionate people is, is the thing that's going to make such a difference in the world. And it has a ripple effect. I can see the ripple effect already just in 20 years of alums being out there. So, and Danny was so humble. He would always say, um, I would say words to the effect of, you know, you've created something wonderful here, or at least he's executed something wonderful here. It was the founder that had the vision, but it's Danny who executed the vision. Um, um, and Danny was always so humble because he would give credit to everybody. But I asked him one day, I said, when are you going to feel comfortable that what you have helped to create here is really as powerful as it has the potential to be and uh, and feel comfortable that you've created the right environment and the right academics. And he said to me, someday when there's a group of people in the in the room, different, you know, all different nationalities, very diverse group discussing a problem in the world and someone comes up with a solution that works for everybody and they agree that that's good and that that's what's going to help. And that's 
what they're going to move forward with. He said, when people in that room look at the person who came up with the idea and say, you must have graduated from SOCA if you have that idea of peace in your head, that's when I'll know we've done what we're supposed to do. I love that. And yeah. wow, there, there's the, the story that you shared about that student and the, the tragic events of 9-11, of the, the, the Twin Towers, like that just speaks to his character and and then the kind of um yeah what 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 it must have taken for him to reach that 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 conclusion and then to to take that decision to then really launch himself into the future that was very unknown and very scary and to choose peace to to decide that he would uh you know live his life for like humanity rather than going in the opposite direction of just either not caring and being desensitized or just like vengeful like having yeah. fill his heart and i i love that you you talked about danny's perspective on what what you know ultimately the project of of this this um this university is all about it's it's to have this greater impact in society but but not necessarily in, in the sense of like, oh, we're just going to like work in all the big corporations or the biggest, most successful places and universities, but it's to genuinely be in the room where important decisions about peace are made. And I think it's it's spoken about a lot by the founder, um, you know, Mr. Ikeda, like how it's, you know, these graduates who are going to like really lead the way forward and that, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the, the proudest thing a founder can, um, you know, like a founder wants to hear that the graduates are, are happy and are living fulfilling lives and again, making those contributions. So um, it just speaks to how aligned Danny, the first president um, is with, with the founder's vision. Um, and, you know, that vision was uh, really kind of, I guess, put to the forefront uh, with the mission statement and uh, that mission statement being to foster global citizens who are uh, committed to living a contributive life. And so I wanted to um, ask you some more questions specifically about that mission statement. It's something that I feel uh, it, it speaks to that char the character of that uh, alum, um, you know, many years ago. And I think it's, you know, a lot's happened since then in terms of world events. I, I mean, the most recent one being a pandemic that was of such a massive scale and, has, you know, we're still kind of looking into an uncertain, unknown future. Um, but still, we are asking of our students to take on this position of hope uh, and, you know, hopefully this sense that, like, they can, you know, work towards a better world and not give in to dismay or, like, pessimism. And so this question about, like, what does it mean to foster global citizens is a big one. So before I get into like specifically in your role, like what you do to foster global citizens, I, I kind of wanted to ask, um, what was it like? Maybe this was in 2003 when you first started working there or just had, you know, made that connection through the theater group to SUA. Um, but like, was is there a particular moment when you first heard the mission statement? And how did that resonate with you at that particular moment in time? I don't know that I can recall when I first heard or learned of the mission statement, probably online researching, um, you know, because you go there and you don't know anything about it. And you're like, 
I mean, I was there for three and a half hours the first time that I went and I was just supposed to have, have a little visit there. Um, but um, I think the mission statement is extremely important to the university as it should be to any organization. But it's SOCA, that, that mission to foster the steady stream because someone in their intelligence and in putting that mission statement together knew that this wasn't a one-shot deal that was going to be um, achieved in one four-year cycle of the university, but to continually have this very diverse group of students from around the world coming to the university specifically because in their heart, whatever wisdom they learn in their four years at the university, they want to take forward into the world to make the world a better place, not just to make money and take care of themselves and their families. All of that is important to be done, but to do it, um, to be courageous enough to take their wisdom and use it compassionately for everyone they meet in the world. That's really what that mission means to me. And I think it's an incredibly important mission. I think one of the most important things in dialoguing with anyone at any point in your life is to leave enough space in the conversation for an opinion that's different than yours. Because I have my experiences and I have my opinions and my beliefs and you have your experiences and opinions and beliefs and that everybody is different because everybody lives their own life. And I think where we get into trouble um, locally as well as globally is when my opinion is the only opinion that counts and you don't compassionately listen to what other people have to say. So I really think that's, um, I think that's what happens on the SOCA campus a lot. In the classrooms, they're small classes with a professor and there's a lot of dialogue. So there are a lot of differing opinions in that room and a lot of different answers to the same question. So having the space in the conversation um, and I guess the um, compassion in your heart to participate in that conversation and listen to what others have to say and, and really try to walk a mile in their shoes, really try to understand where they're coming from is probably the most important thing that our students come out of the university with is that compassion. But there's the wisdom to be able to do it and then or the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage to actually put that into action in a compassionate way that is well the ripple effect of that is what's going to make the world a better place for everybody hmm. I, I like that you you're really like interweaving the the three qualities of a global citizen that the founder has, has spoken at length about in various um you know important speeches uh, this wisdom courage compassion it's, it's so fundamental to the mission statement itself it informs what do what do we mean by global citizen and it's true how they're they're all kind of informing the other. They really have to be taken as a package in the way that you were describing them. And I feel that um, yeah, there's there's this sense that when you speak about any issue going on, there's going to be someone who will think differently, and that's okay. 
to create that space, like you were saying, and to have that tolerance and that openness and curiosity to really give them the chance, um, I think is so important. But what I've found in recent years, or maybe this is just characteristic of youth in general, right? But there's always this urgency of like, we need to know now and we need to take action. And there's no, there's almost no time to listen to all of those different viewpoints or, or it's silly to consider this one when clearly it's, it, it's actually this other one. And there's this hastiness that I think um, is, is felt um, in, a, in a general sense, not just, you know, when we speak about our own community, but I mean, it's, it's a challenge, I think, that will continue to, to crop up of like how to maintain these dialogic spaces and to really uh, embrace those differences. And so it's just nice, I think through the mission statement, from what I understand what you were sharing is it's that like kind of, north, it's like a North light or like the star, <laughs> the north, yeah, Northern star. It's, it's to kind of remind us, you know, in moments where, yeah, there might be this impulse to, you know, not want to go that path, but we have to constantly be alert to those signs because the alternative is, you know, it, 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 it just goes so far in the other direction that I think it, it kind of, um, it's, it's very problematic and how it, it can kind of um, shift a lot of things within ourselves. And um, it, again, this project of global citizenship, it's uh, ongoing and it's not just something that within four year period at SUA, I think it's just, you know, that's it. You, you know, you get your diploma and you're global citizen forever. I would imagine, right, it, it's going to be a continual reflection process and um, something that they'll have to, you know, be even more prepared to have that, those values tested when they're out in society, not in this kind of environment where we're, you know, we have people who really align with this mission statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, are there, are there any, and is there anything like following that, that comes to mind that you'd like to comment about or about like the challenges of maintaining these spaces or this mission statement? Well, I, you said something very important that I want to go back to, um, which is um, this, when the students go to school at SOCA, they don't take a class in courage. They don't take a class in peace. They don't take a class in compassion. Um, they learn those things through the interdisciplinary things that happen on campus, not only in the classroom, but also outside of the classroom because of the fact that we're a residential campus and you've got all the, the diversity um, in the classroom as well as outside of the classroom and on the weekends and in the evenings and all of that kind of stuff. Um, all of that coming together provides, as you said, the North Star that's going to guide them through their life. So it doesn't matter if they're babysitting, addressing the board, um, talking with patients as a doctor. It doesn't matter what setting they're in. They know just um, intrinsically in their head and in their heart that whoever they're dealing with belongs to the human race and therefore deserves to be treated with compassion and respect. So it's it's all of that coming together as opposed to just, you know, here, here, take the shot and you're done. You know, it's it's coming together. It's being, I think it's being treated the way that we treat the students. I think it's the way that we treat 
the employees. I think it's the way that we treat everybody on that campus, the vendors. It's, it's, it's the way that um, we're actually walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. We're actually demonstrating and living by example every single day. And it doesn't matter what part of the campus you're on. I agree. And I, I like this emphasis uh, that you're placing on the, the North Northern Lights or the Northern Star. You started uh, it. You're the one who said it. <laughs> and and it's, it's something that's so true that regardless of what our uh, alumni do after graduating, there's this sense of like, oh, I, I, I'm... I, I'm a global citizen, but in different contexts. And it doesn't have to necessarily be one that is the kind of stereotypical, like, oh, you you work for the United Nations, right? Like global, yeah. there's this fixation on the global part that yeah. I think is unfair, that you know, doesn't recognize the local components. Yeah. There's one of our alums, actually, there's more than one, but a story that I would like to share about one of our alumni. Um, um, and this person is a doctor and was practicing during COVID. And one of the things that has been shared by so many of the people in that profession about COVID is that in many cases, they were not simply the medical professional that was taking care of the person. In many cases, they were the last person that that ill that person with COVID was able to interact with before they passed away. They didn't have the normal situation of you're in the hospital and your entire family is around you to help you with that transition into the next life. It's It was a matter of um, that medical professional was the person that was the last person that they got to see. And they didn't just do the, um, okay, well, I'm your doctor, but I've got 50 other patients I have to go see. So I'm sorry, you're going to die, but you know, have a nice transition kind of thing. They actually took the time to stay with them and express their, or be compassionate with them um, the way that any of us would want those people to be. And I have said for years, I would love to have my medical doctors all have gone to school with SOCA because, because even though they're not doing their, you know, their medical degree at SOCA, they've got the compassion that you really want a doctor to have if you're very ill. Mm. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that, that story. And I, I think one of the exciting things about uh, our most recent concentration is that we'll, we'll have a steady stream of SOCA yes. alumni going out being doctors and medical practitioners and all that. So definitely that's on the on the bright horizon. Yes. And yeah, and, and I wanted to ask uh, specifically to the the work that that you do for SOCA in the area of philanthropy, um, you know, raising funds. Is there something about like either the work itself that you do, or, I mean, you, you definitely have spoke, uh, spoken about the interactions on campus and how that's very important as well in terms of like modeling the good behavior and like walking the, walking the talk and all that. But is there anything you'd like to add uh, that specifically addresses like what it means to foster global citizens on campus? 
Well, I want to answer it, I think, from a donor perspective. Okay. Because okay. Um, in the Office of Development, we're so fortunate because we get to deal with the donors every day. It's our job to steward them um, once they've gotten involved with the university or meet people who don't know about the university and get them introduced to the university. But the, the donors that we have are second to none. Um, it's not a situation where we've got a bunch of, I guess in today's world, billionaires um, donating money to the university because they need a tax write-off or they like somebody or whatever. And, and, and I'm not saying that we don't have some very large donors, we do, but the majority of our donors are common people like you and I. We get up every morning, we go to work, we have a savings account, you know, we're making payments on our cars, um, the whole nine yards. But the donors give as generously as they are capable of, and they do it because they believe that the students that get the SOCA education are the ones that are really gonna change the world for the better. That is one of the sweetest things in the world um, because the donors are really, really dedicated to the students. And the reason they invest in the students is because they believe they are the future. And that is just, it's wonderful to get to be a part of that. And I remember in a conversation with somebody one day talking about the, you know, the various areas of the university, um, because of course, you know, one's supposed to be more important than the other, right? But that's just not how it happens because they all work together. But the thing that we so fortunately get to do is we get to find the funds for those young people that want to be global citizens dedicated to living a contributive life and find a way to um, level the playing field so it doesn't matter what your um, economic situation is with your family, if that's what you have in your heart, if that's what you wanna do with your life, we through the development department are able to really support that um, so that we can um, level that playing field so that anybody can go there. And then of course we have brilliant people at SOCA that invest the money and make it grow and grow and grow. Um, but, but we do play a very important life or a very important part really in the lives of all of the students that go to SOCA because the financial aid package is as generous as it can be because we have people out there um, that believe in the students that donate their money and continue to donate their money. And, 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 and this all started with my children. I realized that, but I kind of feel like I have, you know, 1600 kids that I've helped go through school at one point in time or another, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And um, the development team really works very closely together with the donors and I think I have the best job in the world. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I I really appreciate all that you just shared. And it, it's just so evident that your your heart is here at SOCA and that you you really are yeah, supporting the steady stream of global citizens together with our amazing donors. And that's really the fostering 
aspect when it comes to the work that you do here. That, that was very clear. And I, I want you to know that your work is very appreciated. <laughs> Thank you. The product of, of the SUA. And so I, I really uh, just, I have such gratitude for all that I had received here and then continuing to receive in terms of interactions with alumni as well as now as a staff. It's just um, amazing to see how we're still advancing towards this ideal and then maintaining the steady stream aspect. And I feel that uh, we can't, we, there's there's nothing higher than this conversation about donors, like, you know, in terms of like the next question, I feel like we've already hit the the peak point of it, uh, <laughs> speaking to our wonderful donors. So we are, you know, to kind of wrap things up um, in terms of our conversation about the mission statement and about you know your your time at SUA and all the work that you're you're doing to really support and foster global citizens. I wanted to give you the last minute uh, to just kind of share any final thoughts before we we conclude our our chat. Well, I want to thank you because um, I've known you since you were a student, and I've always had a great affection for you because I think you are a wonderful, wonderful young man. I think you actually do. Um, walk the walk. You're super compassionate. You're super kind. And it's not just me. I see you that way to everybody. It's delightful to be able to work in an environment where you're surrounded by those kind of people that are so kind and wonderful. I don't know what it's like to be a student and go to school there and have that wonderful experience of, of, of caring the, the, um, the whole, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, the whole um, com compassion, caring compassion, the whole environment of caring. Yeah. Um, there's a specific word and I can't find it right now, but that whole environment of caring. I don't know what it's like to then leave and go out into the world because I'm sure you find a very different world out there. But that's when the um, training from the university really kicks in, hopefully instinctually, and you start to make those little bitty changes um, because you can change literally everybody you meet, I believe, just by the way that you treat them. Thank you so much, Linda, for sharing your thoughts about how the mission statement is really felt and lived on campus, not just from our students, but from staff and faculty, and also looking beyond after the four years to alumni, and you've been able to maintain such wonderful connections and friendships with many of these alumni, including myself, and I feel that you were able to convey the warmth and the care that that all of us really pour into the students and make it clear that this is a really important thing that the Soka community is, is invested in and that it really makes it that much more clear what we mean by these three essential qualities of a global citizen, the courage, wisdom, and compassion, that we have to walk the walk and talk the talk, like you were saying. And so I feel that it's no coincidence that you found yourself where you are today and I find it so incredible that you are still just as passionate, if not more passionate, about Soka than the first day on the job and realizing how this is all really tied into 
making the world a better place, not only for your children, but also for future generations. And I think that's a really wonderful, wonderful thing, and it really speaks to your own character. So thank you so much, Linda, and I look forward to having you on the podcast in the future.